Hello, everyone. Welcome to the, I believe, the seventh episode of the Far Out Wisdom mini series called Free Flow Mindsex Orgies of Ideas, multiplying into compressed information based on individualistic experiences, giving birth to wisdom that is contagious and dangerous, fueled by what Jason Civil calls philosophical expressos. I invite guests onto the show to show that, that not only are we capable of being gods, but also teachers. So today I have April Rose, and we finally <laughs> capture audio. And you guys are probably like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we have a lot of technical difficulties, and this is what podcasters have to deal with. But I finally, uh, April and I finally, finally capture uh, what we have been trying to share to the world. So anyways, I really hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation that we have and make sure to always stay far out. Bye. All I see is just two microphones and a host in April. On my end, it has. Have you recorded on this before? On my, I end? have. Yeah, mm -hmm. on my hand, it has another bar, but it just says "test" with like a big red square with a white dot, kind of like a play or pause button, and it has a timer underneath it, so it's showing me like how long it's going for. Nice. Um, there's what looks like a download button at the end, so I'm assuming like I could download download it to my computer. Um, when we're done and do stuff with it. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why we're testing this is because the fact that we keep losing April's and for some odd reason and we're and <laughs> she's not in charge of the router. So we don't know where it's located at. <laughs> so I did locate it. I, I, mean, oh. I did when you first asked me, I didn't. But now I, I know exactly where it is now. And it was definitely somewhere that I wouldn't look unless I was looking for it. It wasn't like a, oh, I'm doing my laundry and I noticed the router is right there. It was like in a very weird back dark corner. I had to really go search for it. But I do know where it is now. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why is it? Why is why? Why is the router in the basement? That's weird. I never heard of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I, like I said, I'm not handling it here, so I don't know. This mm. is just where, um, you know, I'm just kind of passing through. This is not my permanent residence. Like I moved, I moved in with my mother, so mm. this is where it is. So I, these are all good questions you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it like when you move back with mom. And by the way, April's mom is beautiful, absolutely oh, gorgeous, thank you. and uh, she seems like a very sweet person. So did you move back to? Because I know that with with parents. Uh, they become a little bit older, and I, I I think that 
you know, it's it's good to have kids back into the house because it helps the parents, you know what I mean? Like, they get really older. Um, and it would be unfortunate if, you know, they end up hurting their self or anything like that. April's mom's not that old, by the way. And that's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that I think it's good. I think it's a good relationship between parents for them to come back home, if that makes sense. You know, like... It can be. It can be. I think it depends, right? Like, it. Um, in the case of my mom, like, I won't lie. Like, my mother and stepfather, they're very spry. Like, they definitely don't need me around the house. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to tell you, like, oh, they do. And I'm like, you know, I'm like you know, shoveling all the snow off the steps for them every morning because they're, you know, they're older so they don't trip and fall. And it's like, no, I do those things for them. But it's not, if I, if I wasn't here, they would be fine <laughs> yeah. doing all of it themselves. Um, I, she does, you know, I'm her only biological child, so she likes having me around. But I think it's mostly just like a favor to me moving back in because remember, I live right outside of Boston and it's now one of the most expensive places in the country. It's, um, rivaling New York for how expensive it is and I got to a point where I was like I'm just not going to be able to save any money um and I want to buy a house and do the things that I hear regular people do in other states <laughs> so, right you know it's become unfortunately here there's more and more of a class divide where you're either doing really well and you have your house or if you're like what would otherwise be considered normal working class in a lot of the country it's a really big struggle and you're either living back with family for a few years or you move further out either out across Massachusetts or into New Hampshire um Mm -hmm. so I've been kind of straddling that because I'm like okay I could have more of what I want if I move further away from my family do I want to do that right now like Mm -hmm. you know and be like further away from you know, my sister, my niece and nephew, and, you know, they're getting older now, so that's not that big of a deal. But the, the past couple of years, I had to think about that. My father lives a few minutes away, and he's about to turn 80, you know, so it's mm. like, <clears throat> I would be, you know, further away from them and not like right there. So right. it's just things that I'm figuring out as I go along. But yeah, I think it can be great. You know, um, most cultures, it seems kids live with their parents until they get married and even then it's like when they have kids their parents help them more with raising the kids it's like structured very differently than Mm -hmm. what most of america does so yeah i think there's a lot of good things about it can be i mean it it, it, like you're never really done i mean we we graduate high school and then we go to college and then we get hit with debt after debt Mm-hmm. And then we can we can afford our own place. And the thing I think a lot of people confuse a lot of millennials like us, where they think that we're lazy or you know everything's really expensive, especially um, where you're at too. And it's absolutely mm-hmm. pretty; it's gorgeous. And um, you know everybody's tr- struggling just to make ends meet. And, and we're not the only one that's you know in in this mode i mean i think there was a study done that the people between the ages of 19 and 33 um are stressed out you know every we we can't i mean living by yourself is unheard of you have to have roommates now Mm -hmm. i heard from um one of my smarty pants professor friends was telling me that (laughs) we are the you know i don't act like this is my statement but he was like we're pretty much the first generation in america for hundreds of years that didn't just get to get out of high school get a job or maybe get right out of college get a job and then within a year or two or at least a few years buy a house and just live on our own and have a life like we're the first generation that didn't get to just have that and that's one of those things that 
I have to be careful. Like, I think it turns into one of those okay boomer conversations. Like, because they're just like, well, it wasn't easy for me either. I'm like, I'm sure it wasn't that easy. And I'm sure you were house poor for Mm -hmm. certain times, but you were still able to have it and do it. You got to have your own space. You got to make that investment. You got to do it when you were in your early 20s and not have to like scrape by till your 40s to buy a house. Like that's a huge deal. Like, you know, you had like all that money put into a house from the time you're in your early 20s. Like it does change things. Um, Unfortunately now too, from what I saw um, from some, another friend who was smarter than me actually (laughs) generated, I should show this to you sometime. He generated like, this sort of calculator that calculated a mortgage and value of property around here. And like basically any house he was looking at, he could plug in the whole formula and show if you're actually going to get like my, if there's any value off of buying a house around here and like how much it will appreciate and how much money you would get back. And really right now there's, it's not worth it. Like, it's not worth it. Like, you'll Mm -hmm. buy a house and you'll be paying so much out in it over time and in the repairs and the taxes and everything else that there's very little value to buying that house inside just from the fact that you have the luxury of it being your space and you saying that it's yours. Like, as much as rent is here, because rent now is easily, like, a few thousand dollars um, a month to live alone. And if you have a roommate, it's under very modest circumstances like a lot of the room share circumstances I see here the best you'll get is maybe like $800 before your utilities Mm -hmm. is usually what I see so it's like even at that you're paying out a lot of money but you're at least even though it's going out the window you're not chained to it and you don't have the repairs and you don't have all those other costs that go into having a house so it's yeah it's kind of hard (laughs) I I know it's like it's like we're trying to make ends meet over here as well I mean here in California everything is so expensive just like you said it's a class thing that's happening either you're like Mm -hmm. filthy rich or you're at the bottom and you're poor there is no middle class anymore and it's happening in a lot of democratic run areas of course and Mm -hmm. my dad points this out a lot to me my dad by the way you know, like I said earlier, he's almost 80. So he's kind of like that unique, he's part of the silent generation. Mm-hmm. And they're really the last people who remember how much has changed and how much we've lost. Because mm-hmm. you think of like the World War II generation, our grandparents, and they were so great. And they're dwindling away as we speak. There was a small generation right after the World War II generation called the silent generation. They were called the silent generation because there weren't a lot of them. There mm-hmm. weren't a lot of them because they were born during the Great Depression people stopped having as many kids during like while the great depression was really happening there weren't many actual more babies being born during that stretch of time so um my dad and his sister were those children born like she was born during the depression he was born like right at the tail end of it so Mm -hmm. there's like this small number of like older people kind of squished in between the World War II generation and the boomers and they're just old enough to remember like how things were in America in the 40s and 50s and how much has changed and how much we've lost and like Mm -hmm. kind of see the see what the baby boomers did um and kind of see everything that's happened and he points a lot of things out to me you know um the other day he was just saying like how ridiculous it is there are so many jobs or you know I just told you how expensive it is to live here and there are so many jobs that just want to start you with 15 dollars an hour Mm -hmm. um and he's like this is just absolutely insane he goes 
I can't imagine what young people are thinking right now. He's like, I, I know how hard it is for them. I don't know how they think that voting for a Democrat is going to help them right now. <laughs> right? I mean, it, 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 and you're right. I mean, here in California, it's just like a, a, a complete hellhole over here. And it's just like everything is just so expensive. The food, it's become expensive. It is ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing college students barely making it by. I mean, when I was in college, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. You know, you mm -hmm. could actually afford your own place, you mm -hmm. know, and now they can't do that. They have to live back with their parents. They have to do what they have to do. And, you know, I want another baby. April doesn't have a baby, but I want another mm -hmm. baby and I can't afford that. I, mm -hmm. I, it's just too expensive. I mean, how can you expect us to have a family and then you know keep a job and have expensive homes and stuff we have car payments we have house payments we have insurance we have all this and so i mean the you can make the argument that we about saving money and stuff like that but we can't even do that at all mm -hmm. you know what I mean? because it's just so damn expensive i mean in your area is it like beautiful like gorgeous because i think it's like old like an old part of massachusetts no it's really scenic. It's very pretty. Um, a lot of people are really wowed. Like my boyfriend lives in Ohio and he really didn't come to New England until the end of August. And he didn't mm -hmm. even get to see very much where I live. We went up to Maine, which is a couple hours drive. It's like, everything, obviously these little states were all mushed together. So everything's very close. But we drove up to Maine to go whitewater rafting. And he was really taken away by how much natural beauty is here and how scenic it is. And mm -hmm. it's just hilly tons of nature tons of trees um a lot of historical houses of course um mm -hmm. just look very quaint a lot of the little towns are very quaint it's like um it's like you're living in a painting all the time year round we get the four distinct mm -hmm. seasons so it is very pretty with that said it has i think because of population now it has inconveniences um there's the pricing and then there's just like i mean where i live i'm in the greater boston area i'm technically in the suburbs like so I live somewhere that whenever people like me travel, we always say we live in Boston because it's just the easiest way to identify us. And <clears throat> we are yeah. kind of like the suburb around Boston is really like everything's just mashed right into each other. Um, but if you were to come visit me and come to my house, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you live in the suburbs, you know. But even though I'm in the suburbs, it's like I have the inconveniences of the city. That's how crowded it is here now. Um yeah. So that's another problem. I mean, when you get kind of further out, that does go away pretty quickly. If you like move 40 minutes outside of here, it starts to decrease and then more and more and more. You go into Southern New Hampshire, totally different story. But um, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, a lot of it is very pretty. Um, it depends on what you like. You know, some people come here and they're like, yeah, in a way there's a lot of nature, but it's very drab. Like we like to keep you know, we have a lot of history here and we have the culture here has a tendency to try to keep things the same and not change. So sometimes like some people don't always appreciate like our little roads and old houses. They think it's kind of drab, like, hey, why aren't you like rebuilding and repainting and constantly polishing things up? Like by right. no means are we run down looking like a ghetto. It just sometimes people find it a little lackluster. So it depends on what you like. You know what I mean? like the old I, I love old houses mm -hmm. uh we we don't we don't really have old houses here in fresno it's a lot of um in downtown 
they used to have three stories here in Fresno, California, because that's that's what they did during the 1800s. That's they built up, and now over here is everything's all run down. So a little bit is different from the East Coast and the West Coast. So the West Coast, at my end, we're seeing a lot of we're paying higher tax taxes. I don't know about Massachusetts. We're paying higher taxes. Everything is taxed here in California. The the the, the gas is taxed, mm-hmm. sales tax, income tax, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what are we paying for? I mean. I mean, it's like even with the holes on the streets as well, we're paying like so many, so many taxes for our roads. And that's pretty much what the voting I got the, the book to vote. Mm-hmm. And it's just taxes after taxes, taxes, taxes. And I'm like, what the what am I paying for? <laughs> exactly. Like, what exactly am I paying for? And you see a lot of it's so dirty. I mean, Fresno's ghetto as is, but there's certain part of Fresno that I was used to that was clean. I mean, I grew up I grew up pretty much in the hood but even then it was even this bad i mean it's getting so bad that they're doing drive-bys like in the daytime mm-hmm. in front of everybody it's just point bait blank execute other people other gang yeah, members that's really scary that's horrible. you know what i mean and like my mom she she saw like somebody got killed like a gang banger gang banger killed right in front of her yeah, while she was like horrible. watering her grass and it's like i i told my parents i like you know what why are you guys are even here anyways why mm-hmm. let's go Let's get out of here but you know my parents they're, they're they're immigrants from cambodia that's all they know you know it's like they 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 came from cambodia and this is pretty much they think that this is it and that's the mindset of what they had and um and like you said it's, it's all blue um we, it, it, everything's burning to the ground here in california even san diego um down south uh, yeah down south is beginning to be a lot ghetto and these houses my brother just bought a house for like six hundred thousand dollars finally when he's 40 years old he he finally is able to at least afford something and i'm here similar here and actually not to interrupt um you know how i live with my mom again this is that the street i grew up on and it was always just a very solid working class it was never a bad neighborhood. There was always low crime, but the past several years, it's gotten so high here. A lot of these houses, these are not huge houses. They're not bad houses, but they're like small to medium sized houses. They're going for those prices. One, a few blocks up the street from me was just cut in half and each half is selling for $600,000. Wow. So yeah, it's, but it, we at least don't have that crime though. That would really piss me off. Like <laughs> yeah, we were pretty good about that. Um, we had some neighborhoods that are bad, but they are very self-contained everybody knows where they are and right. it, it's it's a certain way like I notice when I travel some places that have bad neighborhoods it's almost like the bad neighborhood can kind of move around too much like right. someone will get in the car in the bad neighborhood and drive over to the rich neighborhood and just do all these things to the rich people like that doesn't right. happen here as much I'm not going to say it never happens but it's almost like people here have like a sense of shame <laughs> it's very mm, parochial yeah. and it's like we're in okay we're over here in the ghetto and we're going to be in the ghetto and do things to each other and it's still horrible but it's that's more manageable than like your mom watering the lawn and just seeing things happen in front of her <laughs> right <laughs> I, mean? I mean it's just the entire different culture between the two and i just pretty much had enough and like i said in, in nevada it's a little bit different because in nevada i think it's like only like three million ish people out of the entire state so it's a lot of rural, rural areas a lot of desert mm-hmm. and the reason why i chose that place is because i'm so tired of the congestion i'm so tired of just sitting in traffic every single day even though we only have four freeways here in the center valley but we um 
in LA, I think there's like 10 plus, you know, and it's just like, I'm so tired of the congestion. And I feel like, I don't know if you feel the same way or that I do, but like the Democrats, the Democratic politicians, it's like, you ever seen, you remember the meme of the dog where they're just sitting with a fire bird burning <laughs> around them and they're like, it's okay. And that's what I, that's what I see too. It, it's just like, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's like, burning around him. He's like, this is fine. <laughs> and then that's pretty much in California. Like our, our governor, we're fine. We're fine. And it's just like the entire state, it's on fucking fire. It's just like, it's so bad. The air is so bad. I mean, every single day, it's like ashes falls on our cars, on our lawns. That's it's just so horrible. And let alone the hazy part, you know, like the, that you saw the, the picture that you took. Mm -hmm. But in our area, it's so bad at mm -hmm. night that you think it's foggy, but it's not. It's actual. Just it smells like campfire every My single day. My friend sent me some video of it weeks back where she was like up on her way to work, and I was like, this is. It looked like a sci-fi movie. I mean, I probably wouldn't have believed it if somebody verbally explained it to me. She hadn't sent me that, like, off of her phone that she had just videoed. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really incredible. What do you think about the whole idea? Now, I haven't read up on this uh, in the past week or so, so I may not be informed. But <clears throat> I did hear that there were people being arrested for arson in the middle of this. Um, people who are like actually like adding to it because I'm sure I know it's a natural occurrence out there if fires happen but mm -hmm. there are these stories that there were people like adding to it and just like lighting things on fire out in the out in nature out in the forests and they were being arrested um is that like I mean did you hear any more about that out there I know I didn't no I didn't hear anything uh, of I know that I think Joe Rogan got in trouble for this, talking about like it's Antifa or anything like like that. I don't know about Washington, but here in California, it could have been prevented, if that makes sense. Like they did a um, gender reveal and mm -hmm. that pretty much just explode California into like a fire. And then there was one where I don't remember where it's an arson, like an arsonist doing it. Um, and they're right. I mean, the fires that we have in California should be prevented. We have fires every year, which is mm -hmm. quite normal, you know what I mean? But I think with the, there's a thing called the, I think it's called the Fer Fresno Sierra Club. They're environmentalists. Mm -hmm. And so they make the argument that, that when you guys do control burning, you guys kill trees and stuff like that, of course. And then bugs and all that wildlife mm -hmm. stuff, which is good. I mean, it's, it's okay. I get it. It's really screwing us up. I mean, that's pretty much what it's leading to the fire to be uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. And the the Fresno Sierra Club is not saying anything at all. These tree huggers are not saying anything, anything at all. When I went camping, we had so many dead trees and mm -hmm. that's fuel. Mm -hmm. And so it it's pretty much a combination of bad politics, bad policies, arsonists, and just tree huggers and environmentalists is just adding to the whole thing. And, and oh my God, April, California is gorgeous. It's a, the most beautiful city and it's destroyed by these policies. And they don't want to admit it. It's all Trump's fault. Right. It's like, <laughs> what? What does he have to do with anything? That's It's the state, my man. Right. And just like I said, that meme, that just, oh, we're fine. We're fine. And everything's just on fire it's so bad that rich people are starting to kind of go from san francisco and coming to live here in fresno and what's that going to do that's going to make it more congested 
and the prices went up. A one-bedroom apartment here in Fresno, it's like almost a thousand dollars. I have never seen that before, ever. I was like, whoa! You know, when I was renting a one-bedroom apartment, it was like it was like six hundred bucks, which is kind of you know okay. It's beautiful, nice, nice neighborhood, but now. You're paying like a thousand dollars to be around like drug dealers and stuff like that too. So mm-hmm. it's everybody's all together in one. The diversity, <laughs> you know what I mean? True that, diversity. <laughs> where we have the rich people and the the poor people, just like you know. I mean, I, I totally understand the diversity of it, but at the same time, there's the working class that gets screwed in the middle. Right. You know? Well, yeah. No, I mean. Um, the working class is really taking on the burden of all this stuff and like the taxes you were talking about hurts the working class the most. It doesn't really hurt the wealthy as much. I mean, sometimes, yeah, they complain because they want to keep all their money. They're wealthy, but really it doesn't impact their quality of life as much if they, they're getting taxed at a certain bracket. It's like, okay, well, if you're a millionaire and you're paying out, you know, a certain amount, you've still got a decent amount of money left over. Right. Um, mm-hmm. If you're underneath that, if you're the lower class, then you're benefiting from all these taxes because of all the programs that they're giving people who are kind of like struggling. And, you know, it's not fair to just say that that's all their fault because it isn't all their fault. It's a result of a lot of other failed policies and other problems that we have in this country that we have so many people now that need that kind of help. Um, I'm not saying that it's always wrong or painting everybody with, you know, a broad brush when I say that. But then you have the middle class, the people who are just supposed to just be average working people and they're the ones that are getting punished the most and it starts pushing all those and the, the middle class is a lot of people it starts pushing all those people down further into that like the lower working class or just the poor the term that i like for it is the working poor which right. i think started becoming a big problem in this country um, around the time that obama came into office right um, i actually remember you know this is as a result i ended up working in a macy's Mm-hmm. The kind of job I had before didn't exist anymore. And I was also the type of person to, I could also bartend or, you know, in a nightclub or whatever and make fast cash if I needed to. And all of that was gone. Like, it, it you, people were just not spending money anymore. And so I found myself in Macy's and I found myself suddenly being the working poor and experienced right. it for myself. Um Somebody, actually, I wish I could remember his name now. I could probably get it for you later. He wrote a really good article, Think Peace, about it because he experienced it. He worked part-time in a Macy's through those years and was, you know, kind of carried on about how awful it was because really these jobs dominate you. They dominate your schedule, your life, your lifestyle, your timetables, right. and they pay you a very low wage. The raises are literally like maybe 20 cents a year. Right. And you are micromanaged in ways you can't even begin to imagine. Like, I mean, you know, if if you just breathe the wrong way, somebody will say something to you. If you never mind, if you have kids, you know, so now you're in the situation where you're getting paid so little, you also don't have any time to go and fix it. Meaning you can't go back to school. (laughs) Right. You can't work a second job. Like now you're, you're, you know, you're one of these people that needs to work two, three jobs to actually make ends meet and maybe save a little money. You can't do that either. So now this is what happens with all this. You get, I mean, the taxes is kind of tied to this a little bit, but there are all these different ways that you push the working middle class down into the working poor. Um, And that gets kind of scary. And that, yeah, that's part of what we're seeing. And, um, I think there's still, you know, where America is becoming so and so divided 
there's kind of a lack of understanding of all these different situations. And it's so ironic that we're, you know, certain people are cramming down everyone's throats like, well, you know, you don't understand what it's like to say, be a black person. Like you can never understand that. You can never understand, or you don't know what it's like to be a woman because you're a white man. You don't know what it's like to be gay or bisexual because they cram that down their throats. And it's like, a lot of that thinking is being generated by people who in turn don't understand many other socioeconomic situations in this country because they Correct. haven't directly witnessed it and experienced it and witnessed all the working pieces around it that created it. They truly, Correct. truly, truly don't understand it. Um, right. And I'm finding myself in conversations like that a lot, a lot. Exactly. You know, um, there are people, the ideas that people have, Someone said to me, this is a younger girl, um, you know, very educated. I think she's 24, 25 years old. And you can just tell, you know, her family is very good to her. You know, just, I'm not saying I, I know her life has been perfectly easy, but she was just very naively said to me once, um, well, you know, um, it, we were talking about this whole thing about people, opportunities and people getting better work and college and how much that costs. We were having that conversation. And I said, you know, I think one of the solutions would be if we brought back apprenticeships right? and people could just apprentice and actually learn what they're doing in real time and in trade for some free labor. Um, right. That would open up so many doors. And then she's like, yeah, I've thought about that too, but they have to pay. There should be no such thing as ever apprenticing or ever shadowing for free. Like if you're working, what? you should get, she's going on and on about like, if you're working, you should get a wage. And I'm like, you know, and she was making this argument like, well, if you're being trusted to do any of these tasks, you should be required to, like, you should have to get paid. I'm like, but do you understand, like, this thinking is what takes away opportunity from the underprivileged. Exactly. Like, they don't understand I what agree. the word privilege is. Like, you're taking away the, what, a, what other chance do people have to learn something new? Sometimes that's the good side of these low-paying retail jobs because it could put you in a certain space where you learn about something. You don't get really paid very well, but you at least can, like, step in and learn about it. And then they're complaining, like, well, everybody should make, you know, so much money. I'm like, but not everybody can take out loans. Not everybody has parents to pay for college. Like, you just blocked the entire working poor from being able to step up in their skill set more. They don't get it. They honestly don't get it. Um I don't know what the solution is. <laughs> you know, it's like with, with the whole entire thing, I think it's like people think they come from. So I came from, I, I don't know your background, uh, April, but I came from the, the poor, right? I was on welfare and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But even then I grew up and I said, everybody should have equal opportunity uh, to compete no matter what class you are mm-hmm. but i don't believe in just paying everybody like the apprenticeship i i strongly believe in that that's a really good freaking idea mm-hmm. now you can't if you would have put me for example in like oh well are you oppressing boone because she's a she's asian and <laughs> she has i hate i hate that crap and, and and i've always been you know under underclass the poor but i don't get mad at people you know what i mean of course they, a good argument is that people should not, um, there are people in position that shouldn't be not in position at all. I totally agree. I, I, I understand that, that portion. But this whole argument that I believe the right make about the American dream, I think it's a mirage, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Sure, it's yeah. It's not there no yeah. more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And these young people 
that's coming in. I, I don't want to sound like a dick or anything like that, but they don't understand business. And I strongly believe, and I have made this argument and I stand by it, everybody should take economics one-on-one and how it works. Because raising wages makes everything worse. You know, you know it, it's just, I don't... I don't see why they don't see this and just like you know the young girl that you were talking about i don't know how old is she was like in her 20s or she's like she's in her 20s but that's part of the problem because she's gone to a great school that has indoctrinated her into how things should be ideally on paper versus what happens in real life and has probably been slightly she's a hard-working girl i'm not painting this person as a spoiled brat which makes it even worse because it's like you have, you know, some people just, you know, um, there's different ways that our backgrounds are easy or hard for us, right? Like, I mean, right. you could have jumped through all the right hoops academically growing up and right. found yourself sailing through a great college, but that may have been easy for you. You right. may have been very gifted, not only academically, but, it, you know, certain people are good at just sitting in a classroom and just listening to a lecture and absorbing everything the first time and producing a great result Correct. and just they they sail through that system and they don't really experience the real world um but because you know they're, they're very achieved academically they think that they know and you know maybe they do you know what i'm saying so it's right. i think it's something over they're not necessarily spoiled because they did do the work but we have different strengths and weaknesses and it's there's a difference between coming into the world with all these pieces of paper that you probably do have a lot of valuable knowledge to share from that, but there's a right. lot of applied reality, if you will. Right. <laughs> you like, like what, like what say, other like, type of reality is there? I don't know. Like, but <laughs> like, like what they say, like street smart, you know what I mean? Like things mm-hmm. that you learn mm-hmm. as you're, you're, you're growing up and, and, and me personally, and I, I think I, I wrote this on my Facebook post where I honestly believe that I should have went to military school. And of course, a lot of people are like, boom, military school with military academy. I think it would have taught me a lot of, but to control my chaos, because I'm a very chaotic person and, and it, not, not a terrible way, but I, I, I think that my sense of, of chaotic behaviors and I, I didn't do risky behaviors or anything like that. I never did drugs or, 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 you know, in that route, but I, I was a very like everywhere person, like, like not an SJW, but I think that my, as a young person, you know, like, uh, the, the utopian idea that I saw in the world was that, you know, everybody should be togetherness and stuff like that, but that's not the real world. And I think with our youth growing up, we were taught that we're special, that we are, everybody's unique in their own little ways. And I, Dr. Peter said, uh, Peterson said it perfectly that, you know, you know how we were told when we were growing up, you are fine just the way you are. No, you're not. <laughs> it's like, and that's it's a like, problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I that, that's something wrong in that statement. Of course, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. unique. You and I are, are different, April. We have different skill set and stuff like that. Definitely. And we should embrace the uniqueness between each other. However, to say that you you cannot grow and that you should be the way that you are, um, I don't think that's how life works. Because I believe and I strongly believe that everybody is going through like a metamorphosis process every time, every day. They're just changing every mm-hmm. single day. And a decade over, they change. You know, it's you're not who you are in your 40s and then compare that to your 20s you know i mean you're a totally completely different person and if you stick 
to who you were when you were younger, it's going to be very self-destructive behavior that you could be in your, mm -hmm. you know, you can't be, well, if you're a cougar and you're sleeping around, by all means, girlfriend, do you, but it's not going to, like, you know, by all means, you know, do what you ever want to do. That's, that's your body. However, you have consequences, consequences. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, people don't seem to understand that. And it's especially our youth nowadays. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, we hear that from our elders when we were growing up. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I wish that, you know, when I, when I would go to military academy, it would have taught me a little bit more of a schedule and a chaotic and to control my chaos within myself. And um, maybe, you know, it, but, but at the same time, I feel like regret and stuff like that. It's just a part of existence. But at the same time, you know, our youth are very me 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 i think i think we actually, I, I think we have run our course a little bit about individualism you know what i mean it, do, <laughs> do, do you think what am i am i crazy or something? i think I mean, that <laughs> the word that i the word that i use for it <clears throat> is hyper individualism mm, um, yeah because you had like the individualism of the enlightenment era where we realized hey um you know the, the way we interpreted the bible the christian bible changed um and it was oh all of us are equal under God, meaning, you know, we all should have the same rights, which, you know, then turned into, okay, like, in a way, we are all special, if we're all equal children of God, if you don't believe in God, you can still take that belief, just that every right. human life is, is important and matters and has something to contribute. So there was like that kind of individualism that came out of right. the Enlightenment thinking, which is okay. <laughs> it probably still wasn't perfect for certain reasons but for that time it was a miracle and it was okay then we kind of got into this other sort of individualism over the past hundred years and it right. turned into something I call hyper individualism and I think that type of individualism became very destructive and right. I think that it culminated into what people our age lived through like the way that we got raised um, <clears throat> I think we were a little bit of an experiment and right. the experiment now is going to be refined on the kids being born now who I sometimes envy because I feel like they're going to know better now um, than like right. the, the messaging that we were given and the, the ideas and lack of ideas we were given. I'm even seeing it now with um, Generation Z from what I've seen anyways. Maybe people listening might disagree with this. Um, there's a difference between Gen Z and the, the millennials. Um, right. Now people my age are kind of like, I guess, cuspers or something. We're kind of like the end of Gen X beginning of millennials mm -hmm. there were those articles about us called generation oregon trail because <laughs> we, we were yeah. right in that little <laughs> couple yeah. years where things were like kind of changing over but um you know gen z in particular they're more i can already see a difference now my niece and nephew are in gen z especially my niece who's a few years younger than him and they just seem far more well-adjusted. They seem, I hate to say normal because what's normal, but they seem pretty normal. They don't <laughs> have like these hangups. They don't have, they're not romanticizing teenage angst. Like right. we had like this culture that fed us the idea that like your peak years are going to be your teenage years. And also we had these weird narratives sold to some of us about like teenage angst, teenage problems teenage sex teenage drug experimentation that it was like a rite of passage and that it was a sort of like you know when you think back on like some of the stuff in our culture like movies like train spotting just one example um 
you know, these things were sort of romanticized to us a little bit. And it's like, I feel like Gen Z is the first generation in my time I'm seeing just like not buy into any of it. And they're just like, yeah, we're totally going to do our own thing. Um, they're not even into social media in the same ways we are. They are on social media, but you notice they do Snapchat and they do TikTok. And the difference is it's a more transient experience. Like they message people and it either disappears or that's it. They walk away from it. You know, it's not like these boards, message boards and Facebook that like draw you in, waste your time. Like it's, it's the way it interfaces is very, very different and it's too forever and it's too public and it's too many opportunities to like publish every single place you've gone to and everything you're doing. They're getting away from all that. Um, they don't, from what I've seen, they don't give to things that don't give back mm. the way that we have been tricked into doing. Um, they, does that make sense? Right. Um, you know, I even noticed like some of the prom celebrations that, that I attended the last couple of years. The entire classes of these places, the, the, these proms that I would watch, because um, the school would have like, you know, their little ceremony where they have everybody promenade before the dance. From what I gathered, the entire classes seem well adjusted. There are definitely those kids who are different and a little more artistic and a little less right. normy. But whereas years before those kids would have been like the either the goth or the emo or they would have been like damaged in some way or like you know like really out there like really just like dejected and kind of there's no sense of that it's just like okay this is who we are and like we're gonna go do something with our lives like it's just normal (laughs) I, i think i think with them they're more accepting like of who they are whereas the generation that we we grew up so i'm a millennial mm-hmm. and so it's with us it's like we're cool because we're emo you know and now they're with them with generation z they're a little bit different they're even more conservative in comparison to mm-hmm. millennials and stuff like that in my opinion and there are um like you said they're they're really de- detached from social media like I said, to use something that's more easier. I mean, I a lot of people they get like really um, they think majority of the people like Antifa and all that are like Gen Z. I don't necessarily think so. I think with Gen Z, it's pretty much the millennials, pretty much my generation. Who, like I said, I I think we got played, and like you said, we were an experiment, and so it really screwed up this generation that we're in. And for I I I honestly believe that we should do something because the current state of the United States of America, it's starting to collapse because everybody's just doing their own thing, which is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, when I was growing up, it was, it was like in the nineties, you know what I mean? And, and this is where everything starts to like burst. I think in 2016, that's when everything started to be exposed. And so mm-hmm. now it's it, the the chaos got released from from the Pandora box, and they, we're all dealing with this, and we don't really understand what's going on, especially with millennials, because we weren't taught to cope with stuff like that. We we were the coddling mm. the coddling minds, like Jonathan Haidt said, and that's what happened um, to majority of us. And so with me, you know, I, I kind of um, 
I, re I still remember in kindergarten, you are special. You are special over and over and over again. I'm like, you know, you guys could have taught me how to like save money and get a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. that's pretty much what right. I want to learn. You know, I, I honestly believe, and I regret this tremendously that, you know, not only do I regret not going to military school, mil mi uh, military academy, but learning a trade of mm -hmm. some sort, even sewing. You know what I mean? Same here. Same here. But, I, I feel that most of a lot of my formative years were wasted. I can't say it was all wasted because here I can like talk and have smart conversations. So obviously, you know, it wasn't all waste, but um, it definitely was not maximized. And a lot of that time was wasted. A lot of it was wasted. Um, right. You know, um, Temple Grandin, I think I'm saying her name right. Temple Grandin, you can look up videos, talks that she gives on YouTube. She is an autistic woman. Mm. who addresses this a little bit about how like we don't whether you're autistic or not I mean that's just a big example because autistic people tend to be smart but they're a little different so right. she just talks about how our schools need to do a better job connecting kids to what really interests them their passion and what they're good at and being able to support that and go with that instead and she's not saying it from a point of view of oh, just tell them they're special and that they're good at whatever they like. No, no. She was like, really try to connect the dots for them and expose them to enough things so that they do find what their gifts really are so mm. that then they can take those gifts into the world and develop them during those crucial formative times. And then they'll actually have something they're working towards. They'll actually have a career in like their, their true gifts, their true place in the world, their true contributions won't go to waste because they'll be able to actually know it and connect with it and develop it. And that's something that we're failing at a lot too. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that I've seen go into the education systems and become teachers were the few lucky people that were like, okay with how our school is set up. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like it just kind right. of worked for them. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away and saying those people didn't put effort in, but it just kind of worked for them. Like the way that right. th their personality, the way their brain was wired, just kind of matched the way that the public school system was set up. So they were kind of able to walk through that, get, you know, go into the right type of college and walk through that. And then, you know, now they're like part of that same system that keeps just serving a certain type of mind. And, right. and it's just, it misses so many people. And I could do, I'd like to do a total separate podcast on this sometime, but because right. then you've got these people who are, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, everybody has, like you were saying, everyone has strengths and weaknesses. So I'm not trying to bash people, but right. you have these people who become teachers and then you have to get all this schooling. And I feel like they still don't understand the kids that are different. I really don't feel like they do. I feel like they get taught a lot of theory about it. They get taught about ADHD. They get taught, they get a lot of different theories thrown at them in all that schooling. They still don't get it. Um, you right. know, now we have IEP plans and now that's a bigger thing because they're noticing. Why are so many people on IEPs? Maybe it's yeah. that uh, if there are that many kids on IEPs, maybe they're not different. Maybe this is just you're like this, I'm like this, you learn this way, I learn that way. And we talk about that sometimes, but it's really not well integrated into our public school system from what I've seen. It's more just, okay, well now, you know, because little Timmy learns differently, we're going to put him on an IEP and give him extra time to catch up and to learn it in the way that we have streamlined. That's really right. not doing anything for little Timmy. And it's just kind of no offense. I feel like it makes the parents and teachers feel better. Because it looks like little Timmy is kind of like 
catching up. It looks like he's they're giving him extra time to make those same goals. Like that's just an example. A lot of times if you're right. on an IEP for certain conditions, you get extra time for testing and things like that. But really, I feel like they just support the child to continue to walk through this process and it just makes them feel better about it. But mm. like, do you get what I'm saying? And I think that's yeah. why a lot of kids graduate from schools. They were on IEPs and they're still a mess because they right. weren't really taught how to, first of all, they weren't really taught how to manage themselves and they weren't given, they probably needed an entirely different learning modality. And we have these special needs teachers. There's more of them now and whatever is happening, it's not working. And I get that there's times that it's just the kid's fault. Let's be honest. There's always right. going to be some kids, that, but I th- it's too much to just say it's like all these kids <laughs> like, right, right. that are, they want to do something. They want to matter. They want to be good at something. And they're just still, they haven't put the dots together, you know? And I, I just, I just think we still fail so many kids in that way. Right. Um, so yeah. Unfortunately, and, and and the the ironic thing is that my son's IEP is next week next week on Wednesday. Mm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and my kid he's uh he's autistic, so they said that he was like on the high functioning spectrum. Mm-hmm. And the thing the thing with Jacob is is that you know he can he know how to read write and know all his all his numbers and shape and stuff like that. So he's really kind of uh, more forward than the kids. And when it comes to like mathematics, he was scoring like there's no tomorrow. He was he's adding numbers in his brain like he is the only issue that that I'm concerned about with him is his social part. Mm-hmm. And I think with with the public education system, they're so behind, especially with with the the COVID. It pretty much lagged everything behind and it, it really screwed my son over and in all honesty april i think it's best if i homeschool my son mm-hmm. it's not because of well kind of like the social justice stuff is starting to be in the curriculum of course when uh, i'm my son should not be worried about his gender he he's I, he doesn't even know nothing yet. He's only five years old. Mm-hmm. The one I'm more concerned about life skills for my kid. I want to he I that's the thing why I'm moving him out in the middle of nowhere so he can learn these life experiences with his great uncle, his uncle and his father. And so pretty much he'll be taught how to hunt and stuff like that. How to pretty much control his emotion that he has right now because he's autistic so he can't communicate so when he's with other people and he's actually watching you and trying to know how people control themselves i think that's a good thing i i don't want other kids to raise my kid and uh, i'm like i say i'm not bashing the city kids or anything like that but i'm speaking from growing up in the city myself and i i felt like just another number in the public education system. I learned differently from everybody else. I mean, when I went to school and stuff like that in college, I, I felt like, maybe maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. I felt like you should not tell a 18 year old to sign this contract to pay a loan that you know damn well, <laughs> they're not gonna get paid enough for it. Mm-hmm. I remember I had like a high school teacher and she was like 55 years old and she finally paid off her student loan debt. <laughs> at 55 years old are you kidding me Mm -hmm. i was Mm -hmm. like wow i just Mm -hmm. can't i mean she's an english teacher and we we are i i feel like we're they they built the system on forcing them to stay in jobs they don't want to be in not everybody is made to be teachers unfortunately not everybody's made to be firefighters not everybody's made to be police police you know uh, cops or anything like that no i think 
our society is built on this thing where get a job that pays more instead of get a job that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Well, I also, think that's our problem. also, we're taught to be, and this goes back to our school system too, we're taught to be excellent generalists. Mm. Like you're only a good student and smart and high achieving if you are a good generalist. And like most, but even the most gifted people, they're usually freakishly good at one or two things. They're not freakishly good at everything in every subject. And that's mm. something too that we've lost. It's like if somebody is freakishly good at something, like that's probably what we should put our resources behind because that person will be like the next Mozart or something. Like, But now right. we take what would be the next Mozart and go, oh, well, you have to spend more time at gym and you have to spend more time doing this type of math that you're not quite as good at as everybody else. You have to spend this time. To, like we like waste, we waste them. Um yeah to a point yeah it matters like you can't be like this prodigy in math and like not be able to spell your name like you do need to right. have a little balance but we go we just take it too far now we're just like well you have to be excellent at all these different things it's like how does that really serve the kid and like we keep doing that to them until they're 18 <laughs> right we put them in we put them like in this box yeah and we force them to sit down how were when you were, were growing up what kind of student were you were, were you like the smart girl were you the- oh no i was terrible i had um <laughs> i i i was terrible that's why i can speak a lot about this i yeah. had terrible undiagnosed adhd and it, it was right. pretty severe when i was small they thought i was having seizures mm. um well i wasn't having seizures of course but it was just and, um, you know, back then they weren't good at screening for those things. And I right. also was born with a really bad sleep disorder. Right. And I didn't really know any of this because you don't, you don't, you know that you're different, but you don't really know why. And for me, it was kind of like, I only live in my own head. It's not like right. I get to live in other people's heads to have a basis of comparison. So it was really kind of sad and kind of a self-esteem thing because I was just told that, I was, I felt like I was trying 10 times harder than everybody else and getting like a fraction of the results. And like the sleep thing alone was like, I mean, even my, I mean, I'm not trying to blame my parents. I feel like they just didn't know. I definitely inherited it from my dad. Part Mm -hmm. of the problem with that too, is then you have parents who grew up with these conditions undiagnosed. So when they have kids with these problems, these parents are just like, well, this is life. They don't think mm. of it like, oh, actually, I have a neurological, I'm neurologically different. So you probably are too. So let's figure that out, like, so that we can work with it. And like, not necessarily, I don't believe everyone should be medicated, but let's understand this difference better so we can work with it or work around it. So when you have, like, especially if, like both parents were maybe a little neurodivergent and they right. didn't, they never knew that and they went through life, they have the trauma from that, that they're like raising you with. They have Mm -hmm. that lack of understanding and they have like the shame. And when you start acting like they do, they put all that on you. They, you know, and they don't know, they don't know to say like, because then they just think, well, I'm like this. So, um, this is just how life is and you just have to deal with it. And if you're not achieving, it just means you're not trying hard enough because that was the same thing that they were told. Um, so that I, I experienced a lot of that. My sleep issue was the same thing. It was kind of like, I lit Boone. I didn't sleep even as a newborn. Like my mother really? will tell you this. I wouldn't go to sleep. Like I would just stay up all night crying and she would finally pass out at like nine in the morning or something. And back then the doctors were like, oh, you know, babies cry, babies don't right. sleep. And this went on and on and on and on. And it was like, even in grade school, I'd have a hard time in the morning. I was just foggy all the time. 
um, I had come to school and want to drop to sleep. And then, of course, this escalated when I was getting closer to puberty, then hit puberty. I was just completely. And all I heard was like, you're not trying hard enough. You're not disciplined hard enough. If you tried harder, you'd sleep. And I would look at people who just like would go to sleep and get these thing weird things that people take for granted. Like, oh, I'm going yeah. to sleep now. And you just lay down and you go to sleep. That was amazing to me. I didn't right. understand that. I used to have sleepovers with my friends and I was like, how do you do that? It would just be like a certain time. They'd be like, nah, this is a good time to go to sleep. <laughs> and they just be like, <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with you? They had the, op- yeah. no, no, no. It was more like yeah. amazing. Like, how wow. do you have the option to do that and have that control? You can just say you're going to sleep. You don't have to lay there wired for hours. And you know what I mean? Like, and then you can just go ahead. You wake right. Waking right up was another thing I didn't understand either. Cause I always felt like, it wasn't and again I was told it was a discipline thing but looking back it wasn't like I had a choice it was like I was being held underwater in the morning it wasn't like I was just oh I don't feel like moving I'm gonna hit the snooze button it was like I don't even remember my alarm going off like I don't even know what happened so what is it like you are you just like having like um did they find out or I have I figured it out I figured it out I mean people I've spoken to knew there was definitely a sleep problem obviously but um delayed sleep phase disorder which is Mm. it's a circadian rhythm disorder um and I was born with it and it co-occurs with ADHD and autism a lot of the time um because it's like a regulation thing in your brain that you can't you know it doesn't respond the right way to things so yeah so it's like you know you grow up with this stuff and you don't know and that you and, and you're just told that you're not trying hard enough um so that it can be really destructive but then it's like you know it's great the other side of it I'm like oh you know what would I be like if I was diagnosed but then I look at what they're doing with these diagnosed kids now in public yeah. schools I'm like maybe it's just as well I don't know you know <laughs> they would like they will drug you now mm-hmm. you know what I mean and like with me um, I didn't have sleep disorder, but I slept too much mm-hmm. because due to depression. And so mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. due to my parents' post-traumatic stress disorder due to the war mm-hmm. that they brought from one country to the next. And me and my sister, uh, Werner, we're the only one that has anxiety, depression. Uh, I was diagnosed, properly diagnosed. She was not. And so I slept more than everybody else in the family because I'm just so exhausted all the time mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about where you're just so exhausted mm-hmm. and it's just like people just don't understand that um that when it comes to school I believe that they're they they put everybody in like a cookie cutter like everybody's the same which is not true I your mom didn't thought about like homeschooling you or anything I, I think that would have been perfect for they you were, you know my parents were more like how do I put it? It never occurred to them to homeschool. Um, my mother was more like a trust the system type of lady because uh. she too grew up with this undiagnosed sort of, um, there, there was definitely some ADHD, definitely maybe a little bit of mood stuff. She's a very, very nice person. But because she grew up with it undiagnosed, she had a mother who was very, very hard on her. My grandmother was very hard on her and kind of like, she does, she didn't have a lot of confidence. So mm, even as a parent, yeah. she didn't have a lot of confidence. So she always deferred to whatever the quote unquote experts said. So in her eyes, like the public school and the teachers in the public school are all the experts. Mm, so this is like a like a uh, like a psych- psychological 
thing as well because I feel like maybe possibly that her mother was very hard on her and so she was raised to respect authority figure and whatever they say is correct no challenge at all it was type it was, of thing it was a raise to have respect but it was also um a self-esteem issue she had because oh, she knew yeah. she was she was so always so scattered and sensitive and that mm. like you know it was always what's wrong with you you know how come you forgot this how come you did this how come you know you lost this how come you're disorganized how come the, you know it, it, my grandmother was so the complete opposite of that she was so mm-hmm. just like very brass tacks very if she lived today like she probably would be a judge like she was just yeah like she's yeah. a great woman I love her I miss her but she was also very like tough as nails and she was completely different from my mother she was very orderly and just had a perfectly linear memory and way of functioning so she was and 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 then put together that it was back then you know she was really hard on my mother and it hurt my mother's self-esteem to the point where it was just trust the experts because they obviously know more than I do like I don't know I don't know what's best I don't know what's best is your mom still like that um to a point yeah not not as much as she used to be but to a point she can be yeah yeah and it's just it's just like um uh with with everything that's growing up i mean your mom how old is your mom is she like what they say boomer boomers yeah she's a boomer she's yeah mine's yeah my you know my parents my parents are not necessarily boomers i i I was talking about this in a podcast i did the other day they i was not raised by boomers i was raised by the generation before the boomers because my parents were behind they they live in the village and the village Mm -hmm. is still like that so i wasn't raised with you know with the 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 you know the the sexual revolution or anything like that my parents were like oh what is that what is you know when they came to the united states of america they were just so shocked of how everybody was so open about their relationship they were so open about themselves mm-hmm. they were and and when they live in the communist system it steals the individuality of of a person so um everything that you do you have to do it for the collective so my parents didn't understand that what do you mean you're going to do that because you want to do that? I don't understand. Aren't you going right. to get in trouble f- from your parents? Right. So pretty much my, my parents are like your grandmother. They're very tough. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything that you do, it's pretty much your fault type of type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. are, um, if something is wrong, it's your fault, which it, it's kind of true to like a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are some things you can and some things you cannot control. And in my parents' brain, everything that you do, <laughs> if you fucked up, that's your fault, period, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. They don't understand um, like mental health issues and they knew something was wrong with me, but they did not believe in that because in Cambodia there's no such thing as a therapist other other cultures don't really have that one of my best friends from Russia experienced that as well they don't even have like words for certain things um never mind like even getting the help like you know my mother was definitely at least mindful that like some things were hard for me like she there were times she like would talk to doctors about me and stuff it was just that you know I I don't want to say she was like that cut off it was more like the way my grandmother was like what you're describing you know and my mother was a little more like 
I was growing up in a time in a situation where I probably would have benefited from like a really big. I hear your cat. I hear your cat, April. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. She's like. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) She is just all over me right now. She's like, why have you been talking to somebody? We have a we have a third co-host. Yeah, and there's Bellini. (laughs) My little orange cat is trying to like co-host here and like get involved in the conversation. It's funny because the longer your cat knows you're focused on something, they get interested. And I've been in here for like almost an hour or an hour so of course my cat is like so what are you doing <laughs> why doesn't it involve me i'm going to involve myself so, so, so concerning with your sleep do you how many uh like how many hours you, you get like sleep like every night like what's your schedule like when so you get now up? like i finally figured out something that worked once i like really was able to like hammer down you know i, I did a lot of self-exploration and i'm like okay so for whatever reason you know I was talking to a healthcare professional who threw out the term delayed sleep phase disorder. And I was like, that kind of sounds like insomnia with more words. Like, what's the big deal? What's the difference? (laughs) I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, that that's exactly what I do. The more I read about it, I was like, yeah, it's probably linked to some of the other things about me that are a little neurologically different and okay. Okay. And I, I did some research and I figured out that I just need to microdose melatonin because arguably my brain doesn't make melatonin or enough melatonin. We have no way of like opening up my brain and proving that. But right. most likely what's happening is I just don't get it, – it's a circadian rhythm disorder. I don't respond to light and dark in the normal ways. And my thoughts in my mind throughout the day and into the night just get turned up more and more and more. Like my thoughts get louder and louder and louder and more buzzy. It's almost like the further into the night I go, it's almost like I'm getting manic right not really man I don't have like bipolar disorder but that's so I need something to cue me to go to sleep in a natural way that also isn't like a sedative or anything addictive now the problem with people taking melatonin is they usually take too much of it and if you read about it um, someone at MIT developed melatonin as a supplement and it was really only meant to be taken by people say with jet lag right people like me with the circadian rhythm disorder And for normal people, they're only supposed to take it occasionally. And you're only supposed to take between 0.3 milligrams up to one milligram of melatonin. And if you have melatonin in your house and you go into your cabinet right now and look at it, or if you go into a CVS and look at it, they sell way too high of a dose. They'll sell like five milligrams, 10 milligrams at a time. It is way too high. It messes people all up. So I found all this out basically. So now what I do is I have lozenges that are one milligram melatonin and I'll just take like a little bite out of it. Like I'll maybe have like a fourth of it. And like, it's just enough that in another hour or so, like I'll fall asleep like a normal person. That's the only way I can explain it. Cause it's not, I'm not falling asleep feeling like I'm drugged or something. And I don't feel like drugged or hung over the next day. And I tend to just like wake right up. Like it'll be depending on the time I take it. Like, you know, at like, seven in the morning or nine in the morning depending on what I did I just like open my eyes and I'm awake right like like what a normal person does and I'm just up and doing stuff and I feel normal like I don't feel like somebody drugged me or foggy which I would feel the way even if I didn't take a sleeping medication I would just feel that way until one o'clock in the afternoon for no reason (laughs) so I don't I don't have any of that now yeah I I think that 
maybe you're just a night person. You know, this is what we're talking about. Where maybe, possibly, April is just a night person. She's a vampire. You don't know. Maybe I was just born a vampire and I just, I was like switched at birth. And that was it, you know? But I, no, the, the sad, ironic thing about it was, no, I actually liked being a day person. Like, I love the sun. I'm very right. social. I like being out. Nighttime can be social, but when you're on that routine all the time, it kind of like, it messes everything up. Right. And I like right. participating in life and like the world and being connected and being out during the day more lends itself to that most of the time. Right. Not to mention, I just, I love the sunshine. I'm like a sunshine girl. I love the summer. Right. And that, that was my personality. So it was kind of, right. it was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like the total opposite of you. So we're like, I'm more introverted. I was like, I want to, I want to stay inside and pet my dog. And <laughs> want to do and where april is like i am all over the place woo how are you today <laughs> and if you guys don't know and if you guys listen to this right now she is a tour guide so that's what she does and she so and she has the most beautiful smile she smiles all the time i have a resting bitch face i'm just, <laughs> I'm just yeah, it was like what do you what are you laughing at what do you love <laughs> and that's pretty, that's pretty much how i am it's like the total opposite and and damn that must have sucked so bad you know what I mean? It did, but it's it makes me appreciate like everything I have now more. And like sometimes people are like, oh, what? Like I have days where I just want to go and go, go and not stop. And sometimes that like I want to go out, I want to do something, I want to see something new, I want to do something. And I'm part of that is because when I was younger, I just I feel like there are just like days I was just so tired that I can't get back. Like right. days that I slept, days that like. I'd get out of school and my friends would be going out doing things and I had to just go home and sleep because I never yeah. felt right. And it's like, I never want to have that again. Like I still have, you know, I have my times I feel overworked and I need rest or like my, you know, I have other things sometimes that act up and I need rest. So it's like, right. no matter what that will happen, but it just makes me appreciate like if it's just like a normal day and I feel fine and the sun is out, like yeah. I'm going out. Like I want to do something. Right. It doesn't have to be, I don't have to spend a million dollars. I don't have to climb Mount Everest, but right. I'm going to go walk around. I'm going to go see something. I'm going to see people. I'm going to see something new. I'm going to maybe try new food. Like it makes me more appreciative, if that makes sense. Right. And, and with the COVID stuff, um, are you guys still in lockdown like here in California? Uh, ish. It locked down ish. Yeah, yeah, ish. It's not bad. Um Baker recently said the bars were going to be able to open back up. I think we're still going to have to order food, I believe, with with getting drinks. But the actual bar, like the bars, the restaurants were open, but you couldn't go sit directly at the bar. And if a place was only functioning at a bar, I'd, I don't believe any of them were open. So he just he just lifted that. But I mean, we're like, yeah, it's like ish. It's ish. Right. Everybody's um, just saying it here in it's, ish. it's like an ish you know it's more it's more like how much are you still wearing a mask and sanitizing your hands and you know you really most places you you kind of have to still but it's like some people are more vigilant about it than others now i'm a tour guide in salem massachusetts and salem massachusetts is very strict and i think you, you know what i mean like uh right. to be fair They've been scared of becoming a hot spot leading up to or right before October because obviously that's their big payday. They get tourism year round, but their payday is September, October. And I think they've been trying to prevent getting any bad press of having any outbreaks there. So right. what they started to do at the beginning of the summer, everybody has to wear a mask outdoors. So Salem mm. is one of those cities you have to, in the downtown area, there's like 
in a, an area where people tend to flock to, you have to have a mask on even if you're outside. Um, but all of the, the stores and restaurants are open. There's a couple stores that are doing curbside only, but it's right. like a real curbside service. They really will come out and like go over, like show you whatever you want to see and spend time with you. Um, and of course, we're still doing the walking tours because the walking tours are outside. So right. it's like ish, you know, but things are still running. So, yeah. Like here in California, everything's starting to collapse. So we're just, you know, it's just so weird. And it's been six months. I mean, come on. We're, we're, we're we are entering flu season. Now. Yeah, I know that's stressful. I'm so sorry. Like on top yeah. of everything else, having like oh, and by the way, like literally going to set your world on fire, like around the pandemic. <laughs> let me just set all this on fire. The pandemic, you're wearing a mask, you can't go out. Now let me set all these trees on fire all around your house. <laughs> like you're like oh my god, I'm I'm gonna share that meme. Um, it's like um, I feel like you can't cough because if you cough, people think are going to think you're, you're you have COVID. But at the same time, everybody's just like coughing because of the smell of everything. Right. Just, I'm sorry. Holding, have you noticed we're surrounded by a forest fire? <laughs> Why did you cough? Well, <laughs> you're like you're holding yourself you're like mm, uh. yeah. <laughs> you're trying, you're trying to this is that, fine. <laughs> Inhaling smoke. Totally fine. fine. I, I really enjoyed the ashes and the asses <laughs> because I live near like the prostitutes and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, with the experience with everything that me and you go through, you know, with your sleep and stuff like that. And I, I can tell that really screwed you up big time. And mm. I, I'm so glad that you finally found something to keep everything under control. And at the same time, you're such a happy person. This is why a lot of people like to be around you because you just been through some stuff and you know, some people just can't sleep, and and then you have me here with everything. Our everything is on fire, but we still have a very both of us still have a very positive attitude. So, I think you you, you have to go right because it's six. You said you have. Yeah, to. I was gonna say we should wrap up because I'm going over time a little bit. Not a huge deal, Ooh, but we do. We, have to we wrap didn't drop. Up. No, we, we didn't. didn't we didn't. I think this has gone really well. So let's see what happens when we okay, hang so up you, and close this out. What I'm so able to do with this recording here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you do is you stop the the recording. Oh, oh. Uh, stay far out, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to our experiment. 